And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 121. Welcome. The World of Mythbits. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. And before we jump much further into conversation, we actually have a large amount of housekeeping. So to start us off, at last month's board of directors meeting, the annual budget for 2021 was approved with a unanimous agreement uh, for over $13,000, $13,020 to be exact. This covers all all of the Jazomon slash Dark Myth Company's activities for the current year. So that's very exciting. Um, I actually got to kind of go through a little bit of the budget and I'm super stoked for what this year has in store. I think everybody has really manifested a great, great, great 2021. Moving on to a bit of news that transcends into personal news. This month, co-host to the World of Mythbits podcast, Joe M. Sparks, was hired to become the producer and editor of the Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network. Insert the applause. <laughs> he will have started his job duties with Lupus Bits, number 35, that came out this past Friday. So congratulations, my dear sweet partner. And jumping over to the open contract challenge, former director Kyle D. Dobbs formally stepped down Uh, from his duties as the contest's main overseer. It was agreed to hire 2020's grand prize winner, Mr. Walter G. Esselman, to replace Mr. Dobbs as the director, and he will begin performing his duties on March 21st, 2021. So congratulations, Walter. And speaking of Walter, again... (laughs) like I said there's a lot of housekeeping speaking of the open contract challenge grand prize winner Walter G. Esselman his award-winning book Super Horror Max was released to the public this week and can be found on ebook and paperback on amazon.com so congratulations again Walter also jumping over to something very interesting that I'm pretty pretty stoked about Mythmart The online store created for company products from 1999 to 2015 may be returning. The original proposal proposed to have the property remain dormant, but it was director and the mythmaster himself, Mr. Kevin Adams, who proposed an addendum to bring back the property at its full capacity. It is expected to be voted on this Sunday at the next board of directors meeting. And finally, some updates over PCE. Personally, I'm absolutely stoked over this bit of news. And if you know me, you will understand why. 
With the COVID-19 pandemic, Jaysomon's Pop Culture Expo, which was scheduled for this uh, weekend, was canceled back in January. It is now planned that the Jaysomon slash Dark Myth Company has its sight on the last week of October to make its return to the convention scene. You all see where this is going and why Jenna has a giant smile on her face? But this time around, it will be focused with a Halloween flair and will be formally called PCE 2021 Scare Fair, like before to be held at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds. The exact date and everything, all that information is still yet to be announced, but oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. That definitely feeds my Halloween spirit. Congratulations, everybody, on that. So now that housekeeping has wrapped and it's all really good news, I'm very, again, I'm, I'm super excited to see how 2021 is going to shape up. And honestly, I think it's going to be significantly better than 2020. I don't know about you. I know for me, 2021 has kind of started out awkward. Like, I just feel like I can't really gain steam um i i am i'm doing stuff and i'm actively like like producing art and pieces and working and stuff i just kind of like i don't know i feel this emotional uh just exhaustion but seeing the uh updates and what's to come i'm very very excited and it definitely kind of re-energizes I think uh, even though we're only in March, it, it re-energizes me and hopefully it re-energizes everybody else. So that being said, um, you, Joe, you've been working on a project and I'm not going to give away anything, but this is kind of something we were talking about. We've been talking about for the past couple weeks and yesterday we kind of hit this point of of conversation and the, pro- the project uh, essentially is a story that you've been working on. I've been kind of helping a little where I can. The way you like to tell stories is from a very realistic psychological narrative of the the comprehension and the understanding of the human mind. And maybe that's why I think like a lot of the themes of our past episodes or past, you know, many episodes have actually really been trying to kind of delve into these deeper discussions of character growth, evolution, and, and all of those fun subjects because you've been really working at this. Without giving giving anything away about the project, uh, one of the points of conversation that we had discussed was how can you take a character who has essentially done something very wrong and make it to where the audience does not hate that character? Um, and so the exact scenario is a character cheats in a relationship. And without over-explaining, without the typical um, catalysts, what about that activity, that action, would deem the villainization of that character. And that's kind of what uh, we wanted to talk about today, um, because there's there's so many examples. There's so many, many things to discuss. That's kind of where I want to jump off. So let's, uh, let's see. 
you have two young adults that made it a party and they are indeed going to hook up okay in the scene now with my with my co-author here we have <laughs> decided that after they after their relations she gets up and uh, checks her phone for a text message at this point though she's in a relationship with another due to the scene you could speculate that she initiated but it's not speculation we wrote it that way <laughs> you know but yeah she was very much the the driving uh uh force that instigated yeah because it, it has to be well into <laughs> it has to be this way because if you have her being taken advantage of obviously then it's another thing mm -hmm. which is not what i wanted to have for the main protagonist or supporting protagonist anyways that came to the to the idea of her mental state over this so she acted upon the desire what what makes it to where she would be the the villain in this case what do you think well and i think what's interesting because since we've talked about it we want to make sure that she's not the villain and kind of creating this narrative that uh sometimes the audience it's so easy to jump to these conclusions to really detest or dislike a character for something that is is offered to us and how we should take it i i think that's a really interesting take you know because in reality when somebody cheats or somebody has an affair or something it's it's really easy just to you know like throw our voice to the wind and, and start screaming like no that's a really horrible thing to do um why would you be so selfish how could you do that you know and and we immediately really think that person is not a great person um based on their actions and i think it kind of gets to the point where it's easy to to dehumanize somebody on based on those actions uh which that kind of leads us into the territory of um why do we do that you know why do we feel the need to dehumanize somebody who like i said as the example goes uh cheated on their partner in order for us to feel okay with judging them you know because if we have the whole story if we understood their motivations if we understood where they're coming from that would make them real that would make them an authentic, actual, breathing person that you can't dehumanize. That is that is a very real person. So in the context of fiction, <laughs> where you want to make characters as believable as possible, as human as possible, as relatable, or, you know, uh, as identifiable as possible, it's interesting because there, there's no human who is flaw-free. You know, there's not maybe a baby, maybe a baby who literally just entered the world, like, you know, but to pretend that you are without flaw, um, that, you know, uh, and I see it all the time. I see it 
oh my god all the time especially on the internet and it's very annoying um but I think what it really kind of comes down to is at its core judging somebody judging a fictional character judging a real life scenario whichever the case is right now we'll use a real life scenario because it's going to mirror a fictional scenario it becomes very easy the more and more you you dehumanize the quote-unquote antagonist, the villain, it justifies and kind of cements this superiority aspect. You can sit back and say, well, I would never do anything like that, you know, and that's impossible to tell. You don't know. You know, dynamics play a huge role in that, but it's, it's something I think it's, it's, it tackles our own insecurities and how we kind of take in these social cues. Right, right, man. Let me uh, point that out. So, say you have, say you have a couple generations back or a few generations back, they would use sex as a uh, procreative purpose only, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you use sex as a procreative purpose only, then that means that is what it is. Okay. So, if you have such as if you have a, a coupling or a marriage in this case, so if you have a coupling or a marriage in this case, let's use a marriage in this case. So you have a marriage and you have um, procreation kind of pushed aside a few generations later, right? Then now the procreative aspect is, is, is very thin mm-hmm. because that's just not how it is anymore, especially in our new brandished world Mm -hmm. now with so many aspects of everything you know you have gay straight you know uh, all kinds of love out there right so now it doesn't take one form anymore you know you can't trade the wife for two goats or whatever right Mm -hmm. or whatever they did you know the the woman or the wife is not a piece of property anymore Right. So now this is where the the feminists take on this scenario would be that she should have the right in which to do so. But also at the same time, she does not still. Yeah. Okay. She deserves her autonomy, but based on social uh, ideologies. Right. Because it's still very restricted. I feel her intent is not. I feel her intent is not to hurt the other person because you obviously do not want to hurt the other person unless it was a malicious act. Mm-hmm. In which I'm sure, if the person was very uh, in their own self worth, this is what this is the entire idea that I feel is out there is the entirety of self worth, right? Because what happens is when uh, she cheats on the her partner. So she cheats on her partner. She is challenging his self-worth. If she were to tell him, he would not be upset over, well, depending also. Depending on where he's at mentally, he would not be challenged by the act of sex itself because it is just a natural occurrence, right? So if you have a natural occurrence, it's a psychological occurrence of self-worth. I haven't gotten this far yet into into the story, but if he were to be upset, I don't feel that he would be a, uh, a a casual go about it. He's going to obviously get upset and angry and whatnot. He's well, 
then what happens is he's going to do two, one of two things. One is he's going to be a detective about it, right? The, 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 the old questions that you hear in, like, the movies or the TVs, when was he better, and, and, and stuff like that. Detective questions. Not, not immediately asking and, and wondering where her mind is into this, this realm of, of, like, where is she at? He's immediately um, so this selfish comparing himself exactly. So this socially selfish act is now a selfish act amongst two people because now you have a selfish reflective surface because now in social eyes he is the greater for he has been scorned. Mm -hmm. He has been wronged, so he has the right in which to do so. And in some cultures, that means stoning and, and, and to death and stuff like that, still to this day, mm -hmm. you know? By social standards, he is the wronged party. So say she, because she is a woman in this case, she is going to do it because of emotional causes, okay? Uh, typical psychology would state because women enact in emotional ways and men will act in physical ways. If she were to go out of the relationship, it could be of multiple causes and obviously everybody's different, but think about this. Say she went out of the typical relationship because he was not attentive. Okay, let's at least use that. So say he's not attentive and, and she has this grand idea, okay? She has this grand idea that has been placed upon her by the very people that shun her mm -hmm. at the end of the the scenario, you know. So not only does she come through into this relationship, she must also throw the classics out of what a girlfriend, what's a good girlfriend? Oh, uh, let's see, like uh, uh, communication, understanding, empathy, uh Unfortunately, I think a, a lot of men um, today expect girlfriends to really coddle them and fix a lot of their problems. Um, and, and not like all the time. I just think we we ask literally everything out of our partners. Um, there it is right there. Everything out of the partner. Now you're the best friend, the, the ear, the, to, the ear to lay on, the body to, to lay on. Right. So you're the mind, body, and pretty much soul, I guess, if you need to call it anything. Mind, body, and soul now of one person. If you have a person who is of everything and then they start faulting in, say, two areas versus one area, right? Then she would get this idea. It's like, wait, something's wrong here because now we're, we're not communicating and not uh, being physical in which she was promised. In the social aspect, like, hey, this is how it is, but it's not like this. So she goes searching, thusly, in one aspect. She goes searching for this thing, mm -hmm. right? This is where the disclaimer comes about, because the disclaimer really comes about because, obviously, in the listeners' minds now, as we're talking about it, they say, okay, well, if that's true, then you just leave, right? If it's not working out, you just leave, and that's why the divorce rate is so high right now. The divorce rate is so high because we have uh, we have been spoon fed this image, you know, of what it is, mm -hmm. and it's not like that. Yeah, these perfect these perfect relationships and. Well, I mean, it it was never like really perfect 
I wouldn't say that was perfect, you know, between the other generations, the older generations. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. Straight to the moon, Alice. Right to the moon. You can eat these. <laughs> I can't get sued for that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. That's the point. So it's like, okay, you know, your lady friend there, she gets a little mouthy out in public. It's been known that you can go ahead and swap her with what was it, like the thumb rule or something, wasn't it? Something yeah. Like the thumb rule of the, the switch, right? can be any larger than your thumb. She gets out of hand, right? Yeah. That's not how it is. Well, and I'm a huge fan of of I Love Lucy. I have been since I was a child. I was raised on I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Repeats. Um, <laughs> just want to clarify in case people are like, wait, what? Black and uh, <laughs> And I, I mean, I watch I Love Lucy religiously, and it's so funny because, uh, you know, especially now as an adult, you watch it and you're like, oh, oh. Oh, you know, like, oh, and obviously, if you know that I was in, you know, fifth grade and I did a whole biography uh, uh, report on Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. So if you know their personal lives, you know that, yeah, it was a really, really troubled marriage. Um, But that's a little beyond the point. Point is, what was normalized uh, was very different from what is now. Right. Because, you know... um... 30, 30 years ago, it was perfectly fine to, you know, kid acts up and you get them with a belt and that's that, right? Now I need more, right? It's been shown now, evidently, that that causes a little bit of problems with Just people. a little trauma. When they, when, they, when they grow up, you know, with that given, she's fed this thing and it doesn't turn out to be this thing. Now she herself feels lost because... It's not what it appeared. It's mm-hmm. almost like a bait and switch operation going on. As somebody who has tried to, because I, on a very personal level, um, I completely empathize with that because I grew up in that. Your romance is supposed to be the fantasy. It's supposed to be the fairy tale. It's supposed to be swoon worthy and perfect. And like we were just talking about, your partner is supposed to be everything to you in the deepest sense. Um, and it's, suppo- you, you know, like it's always supposed to be like this. And it's all, I mean, like, and it was very weird, again, on a very personal level, um, when you and I first got together, I thought it was very weird. You really weren't a jealous person. You know, and we were we were young. We were, you know, 20 when we first started talking. And, and you never got weird about, like, if, if I was like, oh, yeah, like, this guy's texting me or something. And you were like, text him back. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. And I thought that was weird. I was like, what? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna jump in in the name of my honor and you know and it I mean like it got to a point where like I really had to think about that because you see that so normalized the jealousy like you're not allowed and I'm not talking about like the I mean I, maybe I am maybe like I I almost expected this not saying this was about us but this is what was normalized um in the terms of of media was this almost like a, abusive uh control especially over you know like a a a man's role in the relationship you know and that was I don't want to say a rude awakening because it taught me really like registered like why did I 
expect that? Why was I anticipating or even wanting you to be jealous? And at its core, the act of your jealousy meant that I was your everything. You know, like I was, I was worth uh, getting so upset over. But in reality, that's really weird. That's so weird. If you think about that, you know, and and I don't mean like, oh, you know, obviously if something happened or, you know, like that's different. But in the act of like me seeking like, oh, you know, like, uh, I'm not sure what to do. Like so-and-so sent me a picture, which is just gross in and of itself. And, you know, you're like delete it like if you don't like it delete it and I'm like, wait what you're not you know like it's it's one of those like it's just a weird social notion that I wanted you to essentially claim ownership and that's gross you know but that's what we're fed that's what especially our generation was really kind of fed because we we, while well, we are millennials, we're coming out of, um, I mean, if you look at the stuff that came just right before us and the normalization factor of a lot of relationships and then before that, like, you know, you're talking about like I Love Lucy and all of that. It's a weird time. It's a very weird time. And especially, I mean, it just takes doing a fraction of, of research to understand abuse the social abuse of women in the early two the early two thousands, you know, it's 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 almost like women were just expected to kind of be treated like crap in that sense. To where, and I'm trying not to keep make this really long because I know we have other stuff we want to go on about. But when you look at, you know, look at how the media portrayed uh, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan. Amanda Bynes I mean you name it you name the actress the celebrity the pop star whoever and you look at how they were treated and it was really despicable because it was a whole lot of everything is your fault you have caused all of these horrible atrocious things to happen to you you look at I mean Britney Spears is a, is a an unfortunately great example of that because you you know you you see any footage of how she was treated as a child in the limelight and how she was blamed for literally everything, um, you know, and it was just really repugnant. So, again, when you are a young person and you see that and you're like, this is obviously how how women are just treated. Right. You're like, you know, apparently if if I do something that is very, very um maybe not necessarily wrong, it's still going to be my fault. It's still going to be a horrible, crude, disgusting, despicable thing. And I deserve the 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 fallback on that. Not to say, oh, I'm not going to take responsibility for my actions. But there's a big difference between, again, using Britney Spears as an example, because of the, the documentary that recently came out, the concept of a mutual breakup. And suddenly the media is saying, oh, well, did you cheat? Did you sleep around? Would you have, would you sleep with him? I know you said you want to wait till marriage, but maybe if you had slept with him, you guys wouldn't have broken up. Oh, but he says you guys did sleep together, you know, and it's like, there's, it's just, it's really weird. I'm serious. Like it's, 
look at it. It's it's really simple to see how women were very much portrayed in that point. And we were seeing that, you know, uh, kids who grew up in that point. And so, again, and, and growing up, our expectations, and I'm sure this is actually not something that that is different across all generations there's you know some semblance of it I'm talking about like people within my age range specifically there is a narrative this need to villainize somebody and like I said I know that's transcendent upon all generations it's just in in mildly different forms you know look at uh every uh, uh golden era actress I digress yeah, and I would agree for like the rhetoric of how the effects of because this will be more of a our generational story, right? The effects upon her and where she's supposed to be at her in her mindset. And it's the same with her partner. Right? Standards would dictate that her partner needs to retaliate. Mm-hmm. Obviously. And that's another aspect when you you try to throw in in, in these stories and these narratives, rationalizing, you know why why would some, why would we allow why would we allow somebody to cheat, retaliation because they've been wronged they have been brutally brutally wronged, right they've been cheated on so they're gonna cheat, or um, their partner is the it's the re- retaliation factor and I think that's really like what we see, what we read, what we what we take in, that's like really the only permissible reason that we as the audience be like, oh, okay, you're forgiven because you were just getting back at your partner for, for mistreating you by cheating. Well, even about retaliation against the partner in, in such ways, like that would be an after effect too as mm-hmm. to where her partner would retaliate against the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the main, main protagonist is obviously going to, by dictated social, masculine, social uh, uh, standards, social standards, there is going to be retaliation against him. This is where I feel that I can take it into more of an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Right. Because so you've pinned, let's just hypothetically, so you've pinned her as a wrongdoer at this point right because of the she should have broken it off but because of the self-worth aspect of her partner what if during the scene what if when she answers her phone and then after you know they sleep together you hear this Um, it makes me think of, of like a joy, kind of a peace, maybe a, a satisfaction, like okay. just like a breath, like, right. so, you know, it helps to put her into a space of, uh, her insecurity. Okay. Of her own self-worth. Okay. So if she's questioning her own self-worth and her own insecurities on there, and you hear that being laid down as she picks up the cell phone of her actual partner after doing the deed. I chose the higher octave because it will show joy of the innocent type. Yeah. Right? Rather than guilt or shame 
which would be lower. Right. And definitely a different key. And expected. Yeah, definitely a different yeah. key. But um, it would be expected, I think, because I think this story, well, it's, it's going to be an audio drama, actually. Um, so I want to present her character in a manner that could be accepted at the end of the story. Even though in my, my notes, as I, as I write up the story in my notes, it's like that moment when you, you type it out and you're like, is that even possible? No. You know? So this gives us a real issue to overcome. Well, that's what's funny, um, <laughs> you know, because as we've been discussing this, and, and even since last night I've been trying to really kind of like pull together um, examples of things that we have seen presented with, uh, in particular, um, a partner who's cheating and, you know, a scenario that's not anticipated. And there's only a, a handful that I can really pick out, but one that really stands out. And I think it's interesting because then it kind of m makes more and more sense when you actually think about the other examples that are out there is The Handmaid's Tale in the, in the TV series, uh, June, in a time of, of crisis, trauma, she essentially, she doesn't realize her husband is alive. And that he escaped. So she starts having a relationship with uh, a gentleman called Nick. And it's very comprehensive because he's he's a victim as well. Not to the extent that she is. Um, but they're both in these really horrible, horrible situations. And as the, the show progresses, we actually get backstory about how June met her husband, Luke. Who, again, she thinks is dead, but learns that he's not even after she learns that he's not dead she still maintains a relationship with nick but her husband is off in canada because he escaped um but we learn the background and the background is june and luke started having a relationship while luke was married while luke was in a relationship what's interesting is June was never painted to be this villain. And what's even more interesting, had we been introduced to June before the world was, the country was overtaken by <laughs> Gilead, um, <laughs> would we feel the same? If we had witnessed her trauma, had we witnessed the violence that had... Uh, really 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 been issued against her had we you know if we didn't understood where june is in the present day as a victim as somebody who has experienced major major trauma would we be able to essentially root for her if we had started out seeing her uh willingly engaging in a relationship with a married man who is just as much to blame, you know, it's, it's, he knows what he's doing because we have this excuse. We, we've already formed a relationship with June and with Luke. And so we already see them essentially as heroes, right? And then after that fact, we realize, oh, they actually did something that is not great. You know, they, they had this adulterous relationship that hurt somebody we didn't really care we were like well you know it happens they loved each other that's love right <laughs> like but if we had flipped it we wouldn't have that same 
reaction, I don't think. And if you do that with so many, even Killing Eve, again, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite series, Eve, spoiler alert, uh, essentially cheats on her husband with a coworker in a very unique and interesting way. Uh, and you realize you're like, oh, no, Eve, wow, that really wasn't a great thing to do. But at the end of the day, you're like, I get it because we've already formed this relationship with the character of Eve. Is that is that all it takes for us to accept it? Not quite sure about that because one film in particular that I can think of that really pushed the same idea that I feel that this story is going to push about who's the victim, what does victim mean? What does this whole thing, psychological and social aspects, really mean? It's Pleasantville. Because <gasps> remember the yeah. remember the wife in Pleasantville. She was a victim of her own circumstance. Yeah. Kind of. Expectation. Society. Yeah. So that was the only film that I've we ever... We just did an entire podcast about Pleasantville. Oh, my God. There it is. <laughs> Hopefully everybody who tuned in all this way, you know, they're like, oh, yeah. That's going to be the title of this episode, Pleasantville. Pleasantville. I'll put that on there. Visiting Pleasantville. Visiting Pleasantville. Actually, you know, that's pretty good. Um, because... That film really ran home of this new idea of an old standard. Mm -hmm. you know? um, I think that's that's one of the great things. And, and Pleasantville was such a great example because Pleasantville was such a unique story. And it really was new. And I think that's really what we crave. Is, is at, at its core, what we're talking about is how we're craving these differences and in manufacturing shifts and change in how society thinks and assumes things about each other, about what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Because we, we know times are changing. Things that are flying today are not flying back then. And it's just going to it's going to keep happening. It has happened time and time again as each generation, as each decade passes. What was acceptable 100 years ago was not acceptable Uh 80 years ago you know so things are constantly evolving and now we're we're really witnessing we're really seeing it and I think as storytellers that's kind of the biggest challenge is to really kind of recreate these narratives because this trope that we've been talking about has been done since stories have first started being told right you know in some way shape or form uh cheating etc etc Y'all can probably name like 10, we'll make it easier, five stories <laughs> from the past thousand years that have been, you know, told that really like, really aren't great and paint the, the, the people in the greatest lights. I think that's just at the core what we're really pushing is to, to kind of shift the narrative and really understand and question why something is the way it is. And this isn't saying, oh, if you cheat, you know, that's no big thing, whatever. It's comprehending it, comprehending what it means for us, what it means for the person who's affected by it, the person who's engaging in it, as opposed to they're just a garbage person. You know, they just they're, they're a selfish, disgusting person who just cheated as opposed to 
you know, we want to we want to know. We want to understand and not in the boring traditional way, the traumatic way, the, the you know, the retaliation way, whatever. The psychology of it. And I think that's that's a gift to be able to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's going to be the main focus really is the psychology behind everything. It's not whether or not it would be right or wrong. You know, we left up to the old Zack Snyder comment, you know, about his film Sucker Punch. Like, he didn't paint these characters in this way. The audience did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I think that's a, an excellent, excellent, excellent uh, mirror right there. It's everything we just talked about. You can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and the Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Thank you for listening. Until next time. The world of myth bitch.